Hey, well, last time at East Lake Church, we talked about uh, how God helps us design a rhythm between work and rest. So we all have a lot to do in life. There's a lot of things we have to get done. And at the same time, there's recreation and things we want to do to have fun. And so the question sometimes is, how do I balance that? And last time we talked about God helps us design a rhythm to do that in our life. It had to do with setting a margin between our load and our limits, and then also creating a sustainable pace to make progress. So you can check that out. Go to the app, uh, East Lake Church, Utah. You can download an app in any of the app stores and grab the worship music. Now, this whole series that we're in, Life Plus, uh, every year at East Lake, for the first couple months, we set our feet and say, okay, here comes the new year. How are we going to approach it? And this year, we're doing something a little different. Instead of making the long list of resolutions, we're focusing on being close to God as our priority. In fact, it's your first fill-in. If you grab your note sheet, uh, focus on being closer, not being better. So the idea is, is that the focus would shift away from all the things that I want to do better in my life, and my first priority would be, how do I just be close to God? Now there's a reason for that, and let me read it to you. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one that will keep you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God. Now, we all want to get better, but actually what we're saying, it's better to focus on being close to God than it is trying to be better. And that's what this series is about. Now, today, especially in all the different areas of our life, the topic is money. And if, if we focus on being better at money, what happens versus focusing on being close to God and how does it affect my money? And we're going to look at it through the lens of generosity. The whole idea is that if I'm focusing on being near to God, even in the area of money in my life, is through the lens of generosity. So in your note sheet, wrote the big idea, uh, we can be consistently generous. Someone wrote this down and put it in the Bible. The world of the generous gets larger and larger, and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Now, generosity is a skill. And it's a skill that I develop as I get closer to God. And that's what we're going to look at today, that the idea with money is to have my focus being closer to God, and it brings up this topic of generosity. Now, what does it look like? The first thing in your notes, God is generous towards us. So again, thinking about money in my life, and I'd like my money to be better, and my finances to be better this year, but instead of completely focused there, I'm first going to shift and focus on being near to God, and then the idea of generosity comes up, and I look at it through that, and the very first thing is, God's generous towards me. Here's what someone said in the Bible, God will generously provide all you need, Circus, like, generously provide, circle that, then you'll always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. This is how one person saw God when it came to their money, that, that God was a provider. They see God and their money, and they see a provider. My problem is I see my paycheck. So when I think about my money, I see my paycheck. And I see my paycheck, and you know my paycheck is either enough or it's not enough. How much is it going to cover? How far is it going to go? That's what a paycheck is. A paycheck is an amount of money, and that's just what it is. How far is it going to go? Is there going to be enough? Very different than a provider. A provider can go way beyond a paycheck. In fact, when I see God as my provider, I understand that He can provide for me in ways that go past my paycheck because He can rearrange my expenses. He can have something cost less than I thought it was going to be. 
He can bring unexpected money and even miracles into my life. So part of his understanding, the whole foundation of like me, my money, and God is understanding that, that I have a provider, not just a paycheck. A paycheck will go so far, it can do so many things, and if my focus is there. But a provider is very different. Now that doesn't mean that I might you know, still have money stressors and that they're still going to go on in my lifetimes where I'm lean and you know, maybe the economy is going to affect me or you know, somebody's going to make a mistake that affects my money or I'm going to make a financial mistake. Like having a provider doesn't mean that, that there are times of, of, of financial leanness, but it does mean this, that when I have a provider, I'm not at the mercy of what my paycheck can cause, that he can always go above and beyond that. As a provider, he can unexpectedly bring, God can even do miracles with money. When Jesus had his followers, they always had a difficult time in this area, like this is what I have to work with, that's my paycheck or whatever else it is, and how can God uh, make things come together in my life when I don't have enough to work with? And so I'm going to read you a story, um, it's not going to come up behind me, just listening time, just a story time. This is Jesus and some of his followers, so uh, listen to this, it was very late in the day, Jesus' followers came to him and said, no one lives around here and it's already very late, so send the people away. They need to go to the farms and the towns around here and buy some food to eat. But Jesus answered, you give them some food to eat. They said to Jesus, we can't buy enough bread to feed all these people. We'd have to work a month to earn enough to buy that much bread. Jesus asked them, how many loaves of bread do you have? Go and see. They counted the loaves of bread. They came to Jesus and said, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Then Jesus said, tell the people to sit down on the green grass. So all the people sat into groups. There were about 50 or 100 people in each group. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish. He looked up to the sky and thanked God for the food. Then he broke the bread into pieces, which he gave to his followers to distribute to the people. Then they divided the two fish among everyone there. So, I mean, gosh, talk about, you know, the paycheck's not going to cover it. There's all these people that have to eat, not nearly enough for it to get done. And Jesus he just sort of just keeps moving through the process. Now, this will come up behind me because I want you to see what happened. They all had plenty to eat. When they finished, Jesus said to his followers, gather the pieces of fish and bread that were not eaten. Don't waste anything. So they gathered up the pieces that were left, the people had started eating with only five loaves of barley bread, but the followers filled 12 large baskets with the pieces of food that were left. So it's a great story. It's this picture of when my focus is on a provider, and remember what we're saying in this series is that it's not about getting better in some area. We all want to be better with our money. I mean, there's college to pay for for kids, and there's retirement coming up, and there's vacations we want to take and stuff. Everybody wants to be better with their money. But the idea is focus on being closer to God, and then you see him as your provider. So you have a paycheck and a provider. And sometimes the paycheck is fantastic, and it's more than enough, and sometimes it's not. A provider will always make enough and even more. So the very first principle, why am I drawing near to God? Because I switch from like, seeing what I have to work with to seeing what God has to work with. And he's generous towards us. Now number two, right in your notes, uh, we can be generous towards others. 
One person gives freely but gets even richer. Another person doesn't give what they should but gets even poorer. And so this is a good one. Families and churches oftentimes overemphasize this idea of being frugal. It's like get the money and keep the money. Get the money as much as you can and keep as much money as you can. It's almost like they think they're going to take it with them somehow. Now, I have been a minister at probably 100 funerals, and I have never seen a hearse with a U-Haul on back. You're not taking it with you, and neither am I. And this idea of being frugal can go so far. In fact, I think sometimes the idea of being frugal can, can mask this idea that we're not willing to share and also gives us an excuse to not be generous. Because think about it, I can't be generous with my money if the whole goal is, I mean, if you were raised in a family or you went to a church or, you know, you had people in your friendship group that the whole idea was the person that was the most frugal was the best person, the person that got the most money and kept the most money was the best person, in the, you know, the, the most frugal person. It can go so far that it can become an excuse for not being generous because I can't be generous because then I'm going to give away some of my money. And my money is what I'm trying to get and keep. And it can go pretty far. Uh, let me read something to you. This won't be in your notes, but uh, it says, Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. Get the money, keep the money. Get the money, keep the money. And the idea is that money can get a grip on you. One of the things that generosity does is it causes money to not get this grip on me. You could be so frugal that you don't even realize is that you love money. And the problem is it's a trap. Because when you love money, you want to get the money, you want to keep the money, you want to get more money and keep more money. The problem is with that attitude is you're never satisfied no matter how much money you have. And the way you break it is with generosity. Let me give you a word picture. I'm going to have a, a guy come up. Uh, so if you like the music here, this guy plays guitar, so make some noise. He's... Uh, one of the guys here. Uh, that's a golf clap. This is East Lake Church. So make a little noise for this guy. Yeah. All right. So this is Jeff. So so let me show you what a grip looks like. Yeah. This guy's a helicopter pilot, so he's got a pretty good grip here. Air, Air Force guy. Okay. So that's a grip right there. And you think to yourself, well, what, like it's a big deal. I mean, you know, I got money. I'm trying to get the money. I want to keep the money. I want, you know, get more money, keep more money. And like, okay, so it has a grip on me. What's the big thing? But if you think about it, anywhere I go around here, like I go with this guy right here, and I can feel him. Like he's influencing my decisions. That's a pretty good grip. But what if he really increases the grip like that? What if this is what someone said when they wrote this down in the Bible about loving money, is that money can get this kind of a grip on you? So everything you think about, everywhere you go, every relationship that you have, this guy comes with you and influences every single decision that you do because it has a grip on you. And you know how you break the grip? Draw close to God and, and let him teach you the skill of being generous. All right, nice hand for me. You did a good job there. Uh, in the United States, so there's a study just done recently. So here's how it breaks down in America. 
50% of the population give to non-charity, you know, non-profits and charities. 50% of the people in this country give money away. Okay, they're generous. 50% don't give any money. So half of us are generous and we donate, okay? Half of us do. Now, here's the thing. 2%, so if you were to take, here's the 50%, this group right here, they're the ones that give money. 2% of their income is what they actually give. So half the people in the United States don't give anything. Half the people give something, and what they normally give by average is 2% of their income. Now here's the crazy thing. When they do surveys and studies and they go to people, and this is every age group, race, orientation, gender. When they go and they do surveys and they ask people, are you a generous person? Everybody says yes. I'm a generous person. <laughs> but the numbers don't say that. And you know why I think it is? I think it's because we want to be generous. I think in all of us is a desire to be generous. Like, like whether we give or not, like inside, like we get that we, we'd like to be generous. Who do you know in your life that could use your generosity this year? Do you have anybody going to school anywhere? If you just even sold them like you know, 30 bucks a month in an envelope with a card, you have a relative getting older? Someone you work with? Like, who do you know that you could be generous towards? Because the skill of generosity towards other people is what breaks that grip. So it doesn't have a hold of us. And that's the skill of generosity. Now, the third thing, and, and write this in your notes. Uh, we can be generous towards God... Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first and best part of your income. Your barns will be full and your vats will overflow with fresh wine. I wish God would have said fresh beer, but apparently he prefers wine. But anyways, God doesn't need your money, by the way. But he does want your heart. So he makes a promise to you that if you'll put him first in your finances... He'll always make sure you have enough and even more than enough. And regardless of your circumstances, you'll go through it different because you'll be able to remember God. who's way more than a paycheck. Paychecks are great, and I hope you have a big one that goes up and up and up. But here's the thing. Paychecks go so far. God care He covers the unexpected expenses. He covers the things that we never thought were coming up. He's the person we turn to when, when we need something that there's no possible way we could think we could get. He's a provider. Now, how does that look practically? Um, at East Lake Church, we kind of see this as a process. And so let me break it down to you. This is in your notes, but you can jot it down. Move from nothing to something. When it comes to generosity towards God, uh, when the first church started out, somebody saw how they were living. This is an eyewitness. This person lived with them, saw this. He wrote this down. All the believers shared everything in common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided the proceeds among the fellowship according to the individual need. 
So this is how the earliest Christians lived with each other, and they sort of took care of the practical needs. The, the process at Eastlake Church, let me see how it works, is that it, lots of people will always come here that they don't give anything. They're in the nothing category. And so that's where it all starts. It's just, it's always a process, and, and that's okay. And then at some point, people move from nothing to practical things. That's what was happening in the church, is practical things. All churches have, and families, they have practical things that go on. You know, somehow we have to keep all the lights on here. And not only do we have to keep the lights on, you know, there's supplies that have to be, you know, purchased for the children. And then there's... Um, you know, coffee and lighting equipment and sound equipment. There's just very practical needs, just like we were reading, practical needs that have to be paid for in every church. East Lake Church in Utah isn't covered by any of the other East Lake churches in California. Whatever happens in Utah happens because of the people in Utah. And so there's practical needs in a church, and part of what starts to happen, you come to a place for a while, and at some point you think, okay, I'm going to participate and just help Cover the cost, the practical needs. It's like a donation. And that's a process. Now, let me say at Eastlake, we've always designed our churches knowing there would be lots of people coming that wouldn't be giving anything. They're in sort of the nothing category. Because when people come to Eastlake, and the hope is, is that they would you know, start to move towards God, they'd see how God loves them, and there wouldn't be any barriers about money because that's a big one for people. So in a sense, I guess you could say that at Eastlake Church, we're okay with lots of people doing nothing. In fact, our churches are only healthy if there's lots of people doing nothing. Because we exist for people that are just thinking about having a relationship with God. They're not even close to participating. I guess you could almost say... Um, for those that are doing something, we're paying their way. And I think that's a privilege. Because I remember when someone paid mine. And when I first started going to the first churches way back in the day, and I was just trying to find out, you know, if I could even have a relationship with God. I mean, you know, the idea of God and my money was way down the line for me. But there was other people that were further along, and they'd already moved from nothing to something. And they were keeping the lights on and buying the coffee and taking care of all the supplies. They were paying for all. They were paying my way. And now it's my turn to pay their way. All of our churches are this way. It's always a process. And by the way, this idea of a process, when, when I say process, I don't mean that you start in one place and you process and you just go forward all the time. That's not a process. Any topic we ever talk about here, you're processing, there's a good chance at some point you're going to realize, I'm not as far down the road as I used to be. I've had a slip or a fall. I've had a crisis in my faith, or I've, I'm questioned if I should do this. Processing means sometimes we go back and forth. Like it's normal at times to go, wow. I was better at this last year than I am this year. Yeah. That's called process. And this is a safe place to process. It's okay to realize sometimes, man, I'm not doing as good this year as I did three years ago in this area. That's okay. Keep moving forward. 
Stay in it. Let God prove again. We go back and forth when we process, especially with money. And so the idea is, like, you get moving, you can just keep moving, and you go from, you go from nothing to something. Now, this, the second one is move from something to tithing. The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. Someone wrote this down, they put it in the Bible, and they could not have said it better. Now, tithing is an ancient word. It means 10%. So the idea is you take 10% of your income, you bring it to God, and the whole thing keeps me orientated towards God. Now, the big question that hangs in the air is like, well, like here's the question, like, why would God pick 10%? And here's the answer. I don't know. I have no idea why he would pick 10%. He could have picked 50. He could have picked 20. He could have picked 1%. I have no idea why the secret sauce is 10%. Unless our creator knows his creation and decided that 10% keeps me focused. That I have a provider, not just a paycheck. That there's something about that percentage that's the right percentage for me and for you. It just, it just keeps me oriented towards him. So I don't forget. It is so easy to slip into believing that all my, all my needs are about money. It is so easy to slip into thinking that all my problems will be solved if I just had more money. It is so easy to slip into that. Now, um, one person wrote this down. It's in the Bible. It'll come up behind me. You cannot serve two masters at the same time. You'll either hate one master, love the other, or you will be loyal to one and not care about the other. You cannot serve God and money at the same time. There's the truth. So the idea of tithing and giving, it's not a, it has nothing to do with church, by the way. It isn't a church bill. and You don't pay your tithe. You give that to God. And it's to keep us connected to the idea that you're my provider and no matter what I go through, you're going to provide for me. You know, there was a pretty rich uh, Christ follower that much later in his life was uh, talking about how he handled money in his life. And uh, he not only tithed, but gave lots of money. He was really good at it. And... Um, he was recounting a discussion that he had early in his life because someone said, how do, you, like, how do you do this? I mean, of course, the idea is that it's always easier for rich people to give their money away. You know, it's like, well, those of us that don't have much, like, how can I give it away? I've been tithing for 40 years. And I've had very little money, and other times I've had a lot of money. Times have been great, and times not so great. I've been tithing for 40 years, man. And I can tell you personally, that God has always come through. I've always had enough, and he's always made a way. Rich or poor. So they're talking to this super rich guy, and said, like, how did you do that? You got so much money, how did you give it to So he's retelling this conversation that he had early in his life. I want to read you a little bit of it right here. It says, a financial planner took a sheet of paper and drew a box. So he's talking to this financial planner. So it all started when I talked to this guy way back when I was really young. Outside of it, he put a dollar sign representing money and a cross representing Christ. He said to this young man, 
I hear two things vying for your attention. I can't help you plan your life until you tell me which of these things you want at the center of the box, which represents your life. So I'm going to throw it up for you. Here's the box right here. That's essentially what he was saying. He was saying, here's my life, and I have to decide what's going to be in the center of it. And I mean, that's, a lot of people picked that one. Christ followers and non. Many things can go in the center of the box, by the way. Today we're talking about money. We're saying that if you draw close to God, he shifts you off dollars and cents to generosity. And the first step is understanding that God's generous. And it's not in the context of anything other than provider, not paycheck. And then to break the grip, he teaches us it's a skill how to be generous to other people. Because it breaks the grip. I'm not just about me and my money. Because when I am, I'm never satisfied. Put the dollar sign in the middle of the box and you'll always be bummed out. Doesn't matter how high you stack it. And then the last one is just understanding that part of a community. And again, if you're here today and you're like, hey, I don't go to this church, or I'm just checking things out, this is the perfect place for you because you'll never get hassled about money because we know lots of people are going to come to East Lake Church and for a long time, they're not going to give anything. And guess what? That's okay. Because there's some of us that are going to pay your way, gladly. Someone paid ours. And so that's our choice. And the last thing today, put in the bottom line, uh, generosity causes generosity. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give.